Well, as we study the last half of Revelation 6, we see the fifth and sixth seals broken by the Lamb, martyrdom, and this incredible cosmic sign that precedes the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is some incredible material. The fifth and sixth seals of the book of Revelation in chapter six, and it's today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store and podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part one of Revelation 6, The Seven Seals. Some of you may have heard that there's a another uh, prophecy so-called going around the internet right now where another gentleman is predict predicting the end of the world. He's chosen September 23rd uh, as the end of the world. Uh, the, and this is based upon some alignment of stars with the sun. And if you come across this story, let me just save you the time. Don't waste your time on it. The world is not going to end on September 23rd because the Bible tells us that there are certain things that must take place before the end comes. If you really want to be a person who's really keeping your eye on what we would call end times events or trends, you should look at the import of a certain geographical location called Jerusalem because really... Um, these events, you're going you're gonna to see tonight that Jesus is going to mention Jerusalem. We're going to see a temple mentioned. And I don't believe that you're going to see any of these events uh, take place until you see something rumbling about a temple being rebuilt in Jerusalem. Now, just to remind us, we know that Israel was out of the land from 70 AD when Jerusalem fell to the Romans till uh, the late 1940s. And the Jewish people, which is, this is a miracle in and of itself, recaptured and reclaimed Jerusalem in 1967. Now, some of you were born before 1967. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands tonight. Some of you were born after 1967. I was born somewhere in that decade. I'll just say that to you. Okay? But this is what's intriguing about this. What's intriguing about this is the fact that in my lifetime, the Jewish people have recaptured their capital, a place where God said he would write his name forever. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Now, we know there's a lot of tension going on in the Middle East right now, and a lot of that tension does focus around uh, Jerusalem specifically, whether or not, for example, Jerusalem should be the capital of Israel. Some people wonder if Israel should even exist. And we know their neighbors, at least some of them, are saying that they should be pushed into the sea and annihilated. There are others who just say that, you know, Jerusalem should have no part in Israel's existence. But Israel, you know, one thing that did happen in, a, uh, in an attempt to really uh, garner peace, uh, they gave control of the Temple Mount and uh, that area in Jerusalem to the Arabs. That's why, by the way, that Israel has not rebuilt a temple there because they gave control as a gesture of peace. They didn't have to do it, but I believe that this is all part of God's sovereign plan. So don't worry about stories that come on the internet that Jesus Christ is coming back on September 23rd. Jesus said, no man knows what? 
the day, or the hour. But I will tell you this. The Bible does indicate to us the season. It does give us markers or things to look for. And the things to look for are actually in these seals. War, famine, pestilence, death. Um, And here's another thing. The fifth seal, which if you look at Daniel 9.27, I'm not going to go there tonight, but I'll just tell you this. If you've studied the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel has a lot of last days prophecies. And here's basically what Daniel 9.27 says. It, It speaks of a 70th week. Seventy sevens have been decreed upon the people of Israel. This is what Daniel's told by the angelic visitor. Seventy sevens is literally how this works. So the last seven, there's seventy sevens. The last seven has not, in in our view, has not uh, come to fruition. It hasn't happened yet. We have a final seven, a final seven years. In the middle of that final seven, he will confirm a covenant, it says, and then he will uh, stop the sacrifice and offering. So this is one place where we look at prophecy in the book of Daniel. We say, okay, there is a link between what Daniel says and what Revelation says. There's going to be a final seven-year period known as Daniel's Final week or 70th week, 77s have been decreed, okay, decreed by God. The final seven, we believe, is ahead of us, and we believe it is recorded here both in Revelation 6 and referred to in Matthew 24. So this is what's going on. Now, the fifth seal, as Jesus is breaking the seals, I believe this is showing his sovereignty, his providential hand, I submitted to you last Wednesday that I do not believe the wrath of God has begun yet. One of my arguments for that, that the wrath of God has not begun yet, is found in verse 9 of Revelation 6. We're at the fifth seal. I'm going to make a case for you that the fifth seal is well into Daniel's 70th week. In fact, I believe we're at about the midpoint now, so three and a half years into that final seven John says, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain. They were killed because of the word of God. You could say the gospel or the truth of God's word. And because of the testimony which they had what? They maintained it. They, in other words, would not recant their belief in the word of God and their belief in Jesus Christ even under threat of pains of death. Of course, we know that this is happening now in the Middle East, for example, and other places where people are told, if you will recant your faith in Jesus Christ, you can live or you can be freed from prison. And there are many Christians, even today at this very hour, who refuse to recant their faith and ended up in prison or even worse. In the early years of the Christian church, around the, you know, of course, it, it started happening right away. But if you look at before Constantine, before AD 325, the Council of Nicaea, and really a decree to not persecute Christians anymore, the Christian church faced uh, the lions in the Colosseum. They faced, you recant or you die, many martyrs. But 
even though that's true of the history of the church, that much blood has been spilled, there have been those who have made the case that in the last hundred years, there's been more martyrs than all the previous centuries combined. So if you're thinking about Christian persecution, and you could read the Voice of the Martyrs magazine, pick up Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's not stuff that we want to, you know, read, but the reality is there it is. There's Christian persecution happening all over the world. Jesus said when you, uh, when we go through those first four uh, seals and riders, he says these are merely the beginning of what? Of birth pangs. The beginning of birth pangs is like the beginning of labor. It's going to intensify. So we can, we can take that as there's going to be intensification of these things. Now here's what happens. These people will not recant their faith and they are slain because of it. I've submitted to you that this cannot be the wrath of God. God's wrath is not poured out on his bride or his people God does not kill his people. Now, some of you say, well, wait a minute. He's, he killed people in the Old Testament. He killed Ananias and Sapphira. That's true, Acts chapter five. But only because they lied about the, the land, right? They lied to God. They lied to the Holy Spirit. That's why God dealt with them in a harsh way. God does not kill his people who are faithfully refusing to recant their faith in God or in the gospel. Everybody with me? That is not the wrath of God. This is the fifth seal. We're well into Daniel's 70th week. So what is this then? Who would kill faithful Christians who refuse to recant their faith in Jesus Christ? Who's behind that? either those who are anti-Christ, and we've already submitted that the first horse and rider is him, or Lucifer can be uh, you know, behind that. He was a murderer from the beginning, John 8, 44. And we know that uh, you, you, know, you track the Bible and the history of Israel, for example, and what's happened, persecution from Egypt, persecution from Babylon, persecution from Medo-Persia, persecution from some remnants of the Greek Empire, persecution persecution from Rome, persecution from the Ottoman Empire, persecution from Nazi Germany, you name it, there it is. This has been the story of God's people. And here, as we're in the fifth seal, it is true, Jesus breaks the seal, but it's showing ultimately his sovereignty or his providence. Underneath the altar, the altar here is one of the implements in the temple area. There's a, there's a copy of what is in heaven on earth. Moses was in some way shown what it looked like in heaven. And when you see the tabernacle and then later the Solomonic temple that was built, you know, David had it in his heart, but Solomon ends up building it, that reflects the throne room of heaven. And there's a couple altars there. There's a brazen altar or a bronze altar where sacrifices are made. There's an altar, a golden altar of incense where prayers are represented as incense goes up just outside the uh, Holy of Holies. Uh, there's a little debate on what underneath the altar actually means. Some people say it probably points to the brazen or bronze altar because what happened there is what? Sacrifice, the blood of the innocent. In this case, animals were killed and the blood was shed, and that was a means of atonement, if you will, pointing to the ultimate Lamb of God. So some scholars say this altar here represents that brazen altar in some way because what has happened is there's martyrs there. Notice, John says, I saw the souls. 
Here's another reason. I don't believe that the resurrection and rapture have occurred yet is because they're in soul form. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. I don't believe that the resurrection and rapture have occurred yet is because they're in soul form. They're souls. I don't see a resurrection. I don't see a rapture yet. The two go together. Now, let me just say, if you're new to all of this, oh, take a breath for a second. <sighs> okay. There are about four major views on the timing of the rapture that are an in-house debate. And I'm going to reiterate this because I don't want to be misunderstood. There's a pre-tribulation rapture, a mid-tribulation rapture, a pre-wrath view, and a post-tribulation rapture. All four views are what we would call orthodox. They're accepted in the pale of orthodoxy. That is, uh, if you believe one of those views, we're going to say it's an acceptable view. There's good people who believe that. I mentioned to you at the end of last week's message, Chuck Smith held a pre-trib view. He's with the Lord right now. I have high respect for Chuck Smith. I don't hold the pre-trib view. Walter Martin, another one of my heroes, hold the, held the post-trib view. Uh, Great respect for Walter Martin. I don't hold the post-trib view. There's other people who hold the mid-trib view. I'm sure that they're respectable individuals. I don't hold that view either. Some of you say, well, then what in the world do you hold, Pastor Michael? <laughs> I've explained to you that I hold a pre-wrath view. I believe the church will go through persecution, but not wrath. I want to make this very clear. Tribulation, but not the day of the Lord. And I've been trying to just explain that there is a distinction between the wrath of God and the persecution or the wrath of Satan. God's wrath is not for his church. So whenever that wrath commences, the church must be gone. Jesus used two illustrations to give us some understanding of this. He used Noah and Lot. Okay, we'll look at some of these as we go on a little bit. He said, the, the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. They were eating and drinking. They were marrying and being given in marriage until the day that Noah went into the ark. And then the flood came and did what? And swept them all away. It will be just that way when the Son of Man comes. Now think about the illustration. Noah went into the ark. God shut the door and the flood came. The righteous is preserved, then the judgment comes. Second illustration is Lot. Lot lives in Sodom. He's made some compromises. Uh, he's probably, maybe, potentially one of the leaders in the city. The angels go. 
They're going to pull Lot and his family out. His sons-in-law think he's joking. His wife and daughters are headed out of Sodom with him. The angels are basically pulling them out of town. We can't destroy this place until you're gone. Lot's wife, what, what does she do? She looks back and she's consumed. She becomes a pillar of salt. Now, we don't know if that's literally what happened or if she was swept up in the judgment or it was just that God dealt with her because they were told, don't look back. So Lot and his daughters are pulled out of Sodom as what's happening. Fire and brimstone are coming down. That's why one view is that she got swept up in the judgment. So this is what I've affectionately called boom, boom eschatology. Okay, here's how I think it works. You take this for what it's worth and then you wrestle with the scriptures. I believe here's what's going to happen. The righteous are going to be rescued and judgment is going to come. And I believe it's going to be that close. Righteous out, judgment down. But I also think that persecution will be happening prior to the day of the Lord. And that, that's why it will partially be about rescue of God's people. We know that Lot, for example, and the angels even were experiencing persecution in the town. Remember what the townspeople were trying to do? And Noah was a preacher of righteousness and there's at least extra biblical literature that says people were mocking him up and down, back and forth. So this is what I think the timing looks like. Now, um, notice what happens. This is, this is just kind of giving me another layer of evidence here for, for my personal view. Notice verse 10. And they, that is these martyrs, 6.10, cried out with a loud voice. And they said, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will thou refrain from doing what? Judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Now the martyrs in soul form underneath the altar ask a question. When are you going to judge the earth? When are you going to repay these people for killing your people, for martyring your saints? How long, O oh Lord, until you judge? Now, I take that as judgment has not begun yet. God's wrath has not been poured out on the unbelieving world yet. The question from the martyrs is how long? Until you avenge us, until you judge those who live on the earth, those who hate your people and destroy your people. And notice they are told, each, uh, there was given to each of them a white robe. They were told that they should rest for a little while longer. So notice it's a little while longer. Don't know the exact time, but I think we have an idea because we're in that last seven years. Until the number of their fellow servants and the bre their brethren who were to be killed even as they had been should be what? Completed also. So there is a number on these martyrs. God knows what the number is. I don't know why there's a number and why this has to happen. That's outside of my understanding. But God is sovereign. Now, in Matthew 24, as we've been looking, we've been going back and forth, we have tracked so far that the first um, five seals, or at least four, we'll pick up the fifth one here, have been in perfect order. So taking Revelation 6 with Matthew 24, we've seen war, famine, pestilence. And then Jesus say in Matthew 24, 8, that these are the beginning of the, of the birth pangs. So we've seen really the first uh, four seals 
And then notice what happens in verse 9 of Matthew 24. He says, then, then they will deliver you to what? Tribulation. There's the Greek word flipsis. It means pressure, trouble. It can be translated persecution. And they will do what? They will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations on account of my name. That's the name of Jesus. Seems like Jesus is saying worldwide persecution, all nations. And at that time, many will fall away. The Greek word here, fall away, single Greek word is scandalizo. They will be scandalized uh, or they will apostatize. And they will deliver up one another and they will hate one another. Now, this is not the most pleasant uh, content I know, but here's what we got. Revelation 6 says the fifth seal is what? Martyrs underneath the altar wouldn't recant their faith, saying, how long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood? And Jesus, as he's been going through his chronology, says the next thing that will happen is that they will deliver you to tribulation. See the word tribulation? That's the famous word, right? The tribulation period. What is the tribulation period? And who is it for? Well, in Matthew 24, Jesus says, they will deliver you. Now, we all want to know who the you is, right? <laughs> that, that's, that's a big question. In the Gospel of Mark, there's a parallel passage, Mark 13. Just flip over there, the next book to your right. Mark 13. Here's what Jesus says. It's the same sermon, same questions that were asked by the apostles. And Jesus says these words. He says, be on your guard, Mark 13, 9, be, but be on your guard, for they will deliver you to the courts, you will be flogged in the synagogues, you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. And when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not be anxious beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother to death, a father, his child, and children will rise up against parents. This is sobering. And have them put to death. Well, indeed, this is sobering. Uh, brother will deliver brother to death, a father, his child. Children will rise up against parents. Sobering. Indeed, sobering. And, and the question that I think we need to ask is, what would cause this kind of familial division, even turning one's uh, family member over to death? Well, it's got to do, it's got to have something to do with brainwashing and also something to do with supernatural, uh, dark brainwashing. And, you know, folks, right now, you might think that this, this section is unthinkable, but then you start to look at some things that are going on in our world, and maybe we're getting a little bit of a foretaste of how this could happen with the division happening in ideas and what's happening in a lot of the universities right now and the, the disconnect of ideas and the questioning of worldviews. Man, ah, some heavy things to ponder. Well, as we go through the book of Revelation, I just want to remind you that I'm Pastor Michael Lance, and this study in Revelation 6, as we tackle the six of seven seals in Revelation 6, is, is amazing, and it's, it's deep and heavy. And I did this in two sermons because it deserves our careful study and attention. I added some slides and pictures that you can't see on the radio, but if you want to get the DVD teaching 
from Revelation chapter 6 on these seals, I would encourage you to go to walkintruth.com, go to the store, and purchase the DVD. And you can take a look at the teaching in action there. You can find out all the information at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Remember, when you buy a product from the store, you're partnering with us in another way uh, with Walk in Truth. And we want to get the Word of God out to people. So consider purchasing a product for yourself or for a friend or for both. And we appreciate it ahead of time. God bless you. Hey, something that's happening locally here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona is a divorced women's uh, fellowship time called Beauty for Ashes. You know, it's a hard thing, but sometimes marriages go through a divorce. And there's all kinds of reasons, and I'm not going to comment on the reasons right now, but if you've been through a divorce or you're going through one, whatever may have happened, and you need some you need some help. You need someone to listen to your story. You need some prayer, maybe some people that are going through the same thing that you can share with. We have a ministry called Beauty for Ashes, and it's for women going through divorce or who have been through a divorce. And it's at Living Truth this coming Saturday here in the city of Corona, July 13th from 9.30 to 11 a.m. If you want to find out information and directions, Go to the Walk in Truth site at walkintruth.com, click on the Visit tab, or you can download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Look for that red logo with the pillars, and you can find out all the information on Beauty for Ashes. We'd love to have you join us, so check it out today. Well, tune in tomorrow for more on the second half of the teaching in Revelation 6 on the Seven Seals. Look forward to joining you then. God bless you. Remember, to learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, podcast, or to donate, visit walkintruth.com. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.